Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you identify what family role you play. I'll also be interviewing author Jody Prouse, who shares her memoir, The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame and Addiction, and How I Broke Free. This book gives an honest look at a family system filled with addictions, the roles they played, and how one child broke free. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. What's my family role? In the 80s, there was a wonderful movie called The Breakfast Club. And those of you who have seen that movie remember all the different types of individuals that were in detention. You had the cheerleader, you had the stoner, you had the weird girl, you had the athlete, you had the nerd. All those characters that were in that movie, we could all identify with one of those people. Did you realize that your family system is just like that movie? Meaning that every member in a family plays a certain role. So if we were to think about that kind of like a movie, what role do you think you would play? I'm going to give you just a few of these roles and you'll be able to identify how they make sense for you. The reason why families have these roles is because it creates structure. And unfortunately, this type of structure is very dysfunctional. The different roles are as follows. There is the hero or the golden child. This child is the one who gets straight A's, who is always does everything right, who is very athletic or very attractive or incredibly smart, gets the best grades. This is the one that everybody looks to as literally the golden child. The next one, and these are no particular order, is the scapegoat or the screw up or the problem child. This is the one who's always in trouble or maybe always in detention or just getting in trouble for everything that he or she does. Another role is the mascot. The mascot is essentially like that class clown, that one who's always making jokes, always doing silly things to diffuse any type of tension that may be in the house. There's the lost child or the space cadet. This is the one who's always in their head, maybe reading all the time, or very separate from the family overall. They don't get a lot of attention from their parents or even from their siblings, and they kind of do their own thing. Sometimes even in the family, they kind of consider them a little spacey or a little weird or just a little eccentric. And then one of the main ones is the caretaker or the peacemaker. This particular role is often found in individuals who want to keep the peace. If the parents are fighting, this child or this person will try and keep the peace. Between siblings, they'll try and keep the peace. They'll caretake to everybody's needs and really try to make it so that everybody's needs are met really before their own. They're trying to heal or trying to fix a broken system that unfortunately cannot be fixed unless everybody changes their role. So when you think about your own family, where do you think you fall into that? Which role is it that you play? Now, keep in mind, and this is something that's very interesting, whatever role that you're in, and these are just the five main ones. There are a few other ones as well, but I wanted to focus specifically on this. Whatever role you play, you actually play that in every other area of your life. If you go off to college, you will play that role. If you are in a relationship, you will play that role. And so those roles then become who you are, your identity, and sometimes we get stuck in that. And the reason why I want us to understand this is because once you identify what your role is, it's important for you to stop. 
because when we keep ourselves in these roles for too long, it doesn't allow for you to be you. All the amazing things and the fluidity of your personality, of the things that annoy you, the things that make you laugh, all of those things often can't be embraced because when you're in a certain role, that's how people treat you. And unfortunately, your perception of self is that same way. So when we identify what role you play, and then you see how that plays out in all the other areas in your life, you can then say enough is enough. And when you stop playing that role, it allows for you to live a balanced, healthy life. It's unfortunate because these roles also will trickle down through generations. So this is another really good reason for you to identify what role it is that you play in your family. So therefore, with your children, you don't pass it down to them as well. We all have really good days and we all have days when we don't do so well. And so when we don't put ourselves in any of these roles, it allows for us to grow and develop all areas of our life instead of being stuck in one role. My guest today, Jody Prouse, talks about these family roles as it relates to her phenomenal memoir that was just released. She talks about her family system, which was full of alcoholism, and the roles that she played and how that affected her life as well. But I wanted us to really understand how this makes sense in our own life. And so once you hear her story, you'll see the relevance of understanding what role you play and the importance of breaking that family role. You are much more healthy than the role in which you've been cast. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Jody Prouse is a woman who is surrounded by alcoholism from every person in her family. Jody is not an addict in recovery, nor a professional with a PhD. Jody represents a different demographic, estimated at more than 500 million people worldwide, those who are caught in the middle, feeling lost, broken, tired, alone, and typically without a voice. Jody is here today to tell us her story, as well as give us an inside look into her new memoir, The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame, and Addiction, and How I Broke Free. Welcome to my show, Jody. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on my show today. I know we were going to try and have this episode earlier during the Alcohol Awareness Month, but unfortunately we were not able to. So this is a wonderful time for people to reflect back on that. So hopefully if they're struggling with that or know people who are struggling with this, then your interview and your memoir is really going to give them the insight they need to help them break through this addiction. Yeah, I, I, I really hope so. I think we need to be aware 12 months out of the year. So I, I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. Now, when I was reading your intro, you've, you were actually brought up or you were raised with family who were, with, there's alcoholism everywhere in your family. That's not, is that yeah. correct? It, it is. I, um, you know, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Um, our grandfather, my uncle, I'm a niece, great niece, um, aunt, uh, cousin. Uh, but nothing affected me more than when I became the sister of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, my younger brother, Brett, um, uh, became addicted to alcohol. And how old was Brett when he became addicted? Uh, the f- first time he, he admitted he had a problem and went to AA, uh, he was 24. Mm. Uh, and by the time he was 28... You know, there wasn't some big red flag, you know, that his life was going to go downhill. But I, I did see some early warning signs. Like sure. he wasn't around. Um, he was missing birthdays, which he would never do. Mm. And uh, 
Um, just just little things that, that were a personality change that yeah. became worrisome for me. Sure. And so when you both were growing up in this dysfunctional family, you had each other, you became so close, and you were just each other's comfort during that time. So as you relied on each other to be the healthy ones in this dysfunctional relationship, or dysfunctional family, excuse me, I'm sure that was devastating for you when you realized that this, now all of a sudden he has this same addiction. Yeah, it, uh, it was my worst nightmare come true. You know, you know, we took different things out of those traumatic experiences mm -hmm. of childhood. Like, uh, I don't drink. I, I, everything for me, just my perception was nothing good ever came out of alcohol, right? Yeah. Fighting and divorce and infidelity and all those mm, things. Yes. Um, you know, I always tried to protect my brother from the effects of alcohol. Like, from the time I was six years old. So it, 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 was, it was very devastating to both him and myself. Now, in trying to protect him from that, did you find that that role of protection or the protector uh, maybe morphed into something different as you found out that he was an addict himself? Yeah, I never, you know, it, it's been so many years and I've done lots of work and lots of therapy on myself and I didn't realize it at the time. I mean, I was obsessed with saving him. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I neglected my husband and my job and my own health and my children. I was, you know, I ate, lived and breathed my brother. And I think it's not unlike a lot of people sure. that are, this. Um, you know, death is in our, on our mind every minute of every day. Yes. Well, how did that affect your, your personal family system with your husband and your, and your children? Well, at the time, I, um, I was just so confident in my marriage and, and mm -hmm. my husband and oh, my husband's wonderful. ability to look after my own children. But when I can stand back and reflect now, um, I, I should have drawn some healthy boundaries much, much earlier. The, the things I allowed my own children to witness, um, those are things I've, I've asked for forgiveness for mm. and, and I wished I hadn't done. You know, I, I always knew how the trauma of, of our childhood impacted my brother and I, and I wanted to raise my children in a sober home, and, mm -hmm. and then yet that's not what I ended up doing. Sure. Um, but I was, I think I was as broken as my brother from childhood, just in a different way. So I had been responsible for, for him again since I was six years old. I, I, I loved him like he was my own son. Well, I think that's the thing when children who are children of alcoholics, most children are parentified way too early, meaning they're put in the protector role, the provider role, the nurture role, the caretaker role way too early. In fact, it's not even the role to be in, but unfortunately when there's a family system that has so much dysfunction that if the parent's not there, one of the children or children will rise up to caretake to the other children. And, and it becomes this, it becomes a dynamic that was never intended, but the situation demanded it because someone needed to protect the other one. And so that sounds like what you and your brother had. And, you know, it, you know, we think about many types of things in our life when when we do something when we're younger, it makes sense because it, it's what we had to do in that moment. But if we don't stop and reflect and think back on it, what worked for us as a child does not work for us as an adult. And when we don't have that awareness, we repeat those same types of behaviors and dynamics in an adult way, even though it's coming from that broken childhood perception of life and our role in the family.
And that, that, that is very much our story. And, you know, at the time I didn't see it. I knew, I knew we were close. You know, I was so focused on, and he was focused as well, but getting help for him and, Mm -hmm. and he's the one that needs to go to treatment and the therapist and, and the rehab centers. But that's, that's a perfect example of the family also needs help. They just not, do not see it at the time. And for being brave enough to sort through some of this, some of this dysfunction or some of these patterns, you know, I, I always do want to say, this is not about blaming our parents. Of course. This is just some of the reasons why these things happen. Um, and children are resilient and so are adults. If you just acknowledge that some of these things happen, where sorry comes into play. It's the greatest gift is just saying, I'm sorry, and allows us the ability to just put our arms around you and say, you're forgiven and we can all move on. Yes. I think that doesn't happen enough. Everybody's so worried about being blamed that they're not really finding all the issues that are making this complicated. Sure. Well, I, I really agree with you. And I, I want to take it a little step further as well, as I think so many times people are expecting to be blamed or are hypersensitive that they are going to be blamed is because their own self-perception of who they become versus where they wanted to become or who they wanted to become. And so when you have that reflection, it's quote unquote easier for us to be hypersensitive because we ourselves blame ourselves. You know, as if when someone's an addict, they blame themselves of what is wrong with you? Why can't you change? What, you know, and so they have all this negative self-perception, negative self-talk and negative self-doubt that they already know all that for themselves. And so if they have any inkling that they think someone may be, um, blaming them, then of course they're become very defensive because I already really believe that about themselves as well. So I love to hear that you come from a place of forgiveness, of, of love, of, of reconciliation, where there are so many people who are so broken and don't realize that there is forgiveness. There is, there is a place where, um, in, in a dynamic between individuals who can forgive, who can love, who can hug them, who can embrace them and let them know that there is hope, that there is, that there is, um, a life for them. And, and very much I, and I just think that's what a burden to bear on oh my gosh, I know. someone's addicted shoulders, that this is all on them. Mm-hmm. I, I made many mistakes on this journey, but, um, you know, from enabling to the things, like I said, for my own children, I even need forgiveness. Um, it, it, we, my, my brother was responsible for his addiction, mm-hmm. but we, the family members are responsible for how we react to it. Yes. That is, that is not on him. and and that is why so much I think families do need to find the courage to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I am part of this. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most difficult things because, you know, in, in my field, in psychotherapy or in psychology, we have what's called an IP, which is the identified patient. But what many people in that, um, many clients or patients don't realize is that we have the person that's a, the identified patient, which means, okay, um, let's say your brother comes in to see me as a patient. 
Well, it's really much greater than that. The, the IP is really the family system, but whomever is brought in is kind of the entryway point. And then that work can happen as the family then becomes the identified patient. But unfortunately, in some, in some old school psychology world, that doesn't always happen. But when you come from a systemic approach, in other words, the family system, you can really help people understand what role do they play? Because you may have the person who acts out the most, which is the, the alcoholic, if you will, but everybody has a, they're cast in a certain role in that play, if you will, or in that movie of that dysfunctional family. And so to see how that all works out and plays together helps people really say, well, what am I doing? What role am I playing in this system, which is causing it to still to still exist? I know it does not thriving; it's just existing. And so upon reflection, of course, you know, during this, this call, during this amazing memoir you've written, all those things really give you that insight and wisdom to say, well, what was my role? You know, how do I spread awareness to other people so that they know exactly what their role is and pull themselves out of it? Because if someone is, is removes themselves from that role or from that, um, that part in a movie, if you will, then the system can't work anymore. It's not there. And so people will shuffle around to kind of fill in the gap. But when you remove yourself, that's when you have that perspective. That's when you have that ability to say, wow, I didn't realize how deeply entrenched I was in that at that time. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, when, when it first started with us, we spent years of just 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 zooming in on his recovery mm-hmm. and what he needs to, even when we went as a family, yeah. what he needs to do, what he needs to do. If I could give one little bit of advice, I would not recommend any help that didn't include the family. I think that's a wonderful point because, you know, even if the person was in a treatment center and they did amazingly well, when they come home, if those same individuals, you know, is, is as much love as I have to offer for that, for that, that person, if nobody has changed externally, well, he, that person's going to come right back into that same dynamic with all that enabling, with all, all those different types of things. And it's so easy for a person to relapse and to fall back into the, those same patterns. And, you know, we do know that they are told to find sober friends mm-hmm. and new supportive people around them, all those things. Well, that goes for family as mm-hmm. well. That's true. And the strength and courage you need, and I wish I didn't need to say it, but sometimes that your family is not what you need. And, and you do need to break free from that. And that's one of the hardest lessons I think for anyone, because, you know, as they're recovering and they're trying to refigure out who they are, their self-worth, their self-identity, and all that reflection of their past life, you know, they're working on that. And then all of a sudden to think, oh my gosh, now my family, as much as I love them, as much as I know how they love me in their own way, now I have to now I have to separate myself from them. And I think that really is one of the most difficult things for people to, to enact or to um, have that boundary. And when that happens, that's when people will often, they don't reach their highest destiny when it comes to true freedom from alcoholism for any addiction really, is because they're not able to really say, my needs are the most important for me right now regardless of who is in my life, regardless of the role they play in my life, I have to do this for me. And that's why you'll find most people really do struggle with the relapse component uh, because they, they aren't able to separate themselves from the family. Yeah, and that, that goes back to love as well. You, you, we do not talk like, let's say, alcoholism is a disease. And when you say these things about your family, mm-hmm. it is like 
you feel bad inside. Yeah. You, you feel like you're saying something is wrong. And so it, you know, when we come from that, um, it is very hard to be truly honest because we are bred to, to, we love our parents and, and it is a very complicated and, and just adds another big weight on the shoulders of, of trying to get well. I totally agree with you. I wanted to segue into, to talk about the memoir specifically, which is named The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame and Addiction and How I Broke Free. Let's talk specifically about that book. Okay. When, help us understand, is it, is it uh, a novel? Is it, is it written in a fictional way? How, how, is it, how is it typically written? It is written unlike other memoirs of its kind. You know, most are written by the addict, of course, with a happy ending, with just, you know, a partial view. Mm-hmm. I start this when we're four years old. Oh, goodness, wow. And so it is a span of 40 years. You are on the journey with me every step of the way. Mm. And you're learning as I learn. So there is things when we go, what we learn in rehab or what a, a therapist says. And you are just very much a part of the story. And, you know, I have written it for the families that if you find yourself in our story at all of any of the characters, um, that you do find the courage to change. Wow. And I really like, I like the perspective that you have. I mean, of course, the books that are written from someone who's overcome any addiction is very powerful as well. But I, I do agree with you, you know, going back to that saying that there's estimated more than 500 million people worldwide who fall into the role that you are in in that family system. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear that you write it from a place that really gives those people a voice to say, wow, I totally understand what Jody was talking about. And maybe I can try this or Jody was able to overcome this and Jody was able to find her voice. Maybe I can find my voice as well. Yeah, and I hope, I hope that's, that's what I achieve. We are the lost families and the lost loved ones. Um, this affects everyone, right? We have mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and moms and dads and then the other little children that are witnessing this. And at the time, because you don't share because of the shame and stigma in society, mm-hmm. you feel you're the only one. I just want the families to know you are not alone. There's someone out there that knows how you feel. But please listen to the advice of the professionals. Yes. And I think that's a thing because, you know, people have their own ideas of what is healthy. And, and sometimes those are really true. But if you're not trained, you know, I've had many people say, James, I have, you know, I've had clients say, James, so-and-so was telling me about suicide or telling me about this struggle. And this is what I told them. And even though it comes from a place of benevolence, you know, a friend wants to help a friend or a family wants to help a family member. When you don't have that training, I'm specifically trained, you know, I've done this for 20 years. I have the background to do that. And I'm not emotionally close with that person. So I'm not going to come from a place of fear. I'm going to come maybe from a place more of boundaries and be able to right. set those boundaries and have that perspective and have all that training. So when we put ourselves, because we love this person, when we put ourselves in the position to then be the treatment provider, as well as the family member, as well as the enabler, as well as whatever those multiple roles are, we put so much pressure on ourselves, and that unfortunately doesn't allow for us to have really the best 
ideas and best treatment and best opportunities to help that person. Because for one, we're way too close. And number two, we're not trained in that at all. Yeah, agreed. And and our loved one that's addicted goes and is learned learns things in rehab or mm-hmm. in therapy. Now, I assume they're there to follow those those leaderships of of the professionals. I believe the family needs to do the same. Yes. And, and once again, when you just are in a place where well, we're not sick, we're not the one addicted. Mm-hmm. You you need to have an open mind as to perhaps what has caused some of this or what keeps it going. Yeah. Uh, that's very much our story of what keeps it going. And Jody, I think that's a beautiful point you just said. When people think that they're not part of that, going back to what I said, the identified patient, you're absolutely right. They're not going to feel as if they've done anything at all because you're right. They're not the one who is the overt quote unquote problem, if you will, the one who's addicted, but every single person has a role they play. And when they don't re reevaluate that role or even have an awareness of what that role may be, then yes, they will still be a part of that family system, whether they realize it or not. And so I love to hear that your book really focuses on the whole family unit overall and how everybody plays an integral part in the function or the dysfunction of a family that has addiction. Yeah, and I think, I think to put it more bluntly, if we are all told, every single one of us, regardless of our story, if our loved one doesn't go on a sober path, they will die. Mm-hmm. If your loved one passed away, you certainly will go back in your mind and say, I wish I had done things differently. Yes. It might have made a difference. That is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Don't let it get that far. Open your heart and your mind and be strong enough to admit um, what is going on in your whole family yes. um, so, so that, that you, you do get that happy ending. Yes. People do get well. Yes, they do. 23 million people in recovery in the United States and 5 million in Canada. It, it is very real. Yes. And that's the place, that's the hope that people need to hear as well. That there is hope. There is an answer. There is recovery. There is a life full of happiness and joy. But it does start with us all analyzing who we are, what role we play, and what we can do different or what we can do even more of that's healthy. Yeah. Yes. At my pages at times, they're very dark. They're, um, you know, it disturbing. Mm-hmm. It is very raw and real, but it also is full of knowledge and hope and courage and forgiveness and, and all those beautiful things that will lead our addicted loved ones and others to, to change. Wow. Well, this has been such a phenomenal interview with you. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about this because I, I do agree there are so many people, you know, I have so many listeners that, that hear my show and I'm confident that many of my listeners are going to be able to relate with, with your story or understand a certain part of that addiction and how it's played out maybe in their own family system as well. So thank Jody, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and, all, and your book and all the amazing things you're doing, where would they find your information online? It is jodyprouse.com. 
Okay, and Jody spelled J-O-D-E-E-P-R-O-U-S-E dot com. And your book itself, The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame and Addiction, and How I Broke Free. Where may they find that as well? You can find it on Amazon.com or directly on my website. Perfect. So what I'm going to do, Jody, is I'm going to actually put this on my storefront as well, jamesmillerlifeology.com. So Jody, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. So thank you. And thank you. And all the best to your listeners. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.